whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Horse Geeks podcast, where we look at horses and riding from the inside out. I'm Kirsten Nelson, professional horse trainer, and with me is my co-host, Deb. I'm calling you co-host now. Okay, Deb, fine. Co-host slash guest, Deb Romero, certified Alexander Technique instructor. And today's topic, because we just sort of come across things in the horse world. I do. And I do. Today's topic is called this whole back saddle fitting thing. We didn't know what else to call it. <laughs> But it's basically what a lot of us run into in the struggle to find uh, a good fitting saddle for our hard to fit horse or dealing with different saddle issues like the flocking, squishing down on one side or the saddle always slipping to one Mm. side, um, getting a sticky saddle pad or getting a girth that can tighten up a little bit more or a non-slip girth. So saddle slippage and asymmetry in our saddle is directly related to how the horse uses its back. Even a saddle that keeps gravitating too far back. (laughs) Can I say what again? Just say that again, the relationship with the saddle and the back. Uh, So the saddle slipping or sort of wearing the saddle down asymmetrically those go hand in hand with spinal functions and how our horse uses the back. And also the saddle that always slips backwards. So Ah. like the saddle that ends up way behind the shoulder and the girth keeps slipping backwards out of the heart girth, that again is a direct result of how the horse is using the back. And that is so important to let people know that when that when they see the saddle slip to one side, it's a direct relationship to what the what is going on with the horse's back. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about that it. That is so important for people to realize that because it happens to everybody. Uh huh. And every, you know, most people's answer is to get a sticky saddle pad or get a stickier Mm -hmm. girth or tighten up the cinch and girth more, or maybe the saddle doesn't fit, get the saddle fitter out, Uh, maybe flock the saddle. If it's an English saddle, flock the panels asymmetrically to keep the saddle from slipping. Wow. And there's all kinds of remedies that we come up with, but it really is the saddle slipping side to side is a direct result of how our horse is functioning regarding alignment and rotation and lateral bending of the spine. And then the saddle slipping backwards, like that happened on one of my horses for a long time. And I couldn't figure out when I put the saddle on the back, the girth should always sort of cinch up or tighten up right behind the horse's elbow, the front leg. And it's the narrowest part of the chest called the heart girth. And that's where the girth goes, the heart girth. And I try to get it snug without making it too tight when I first put the saddle on. And invariably, it would sort of slide out of the heart girth area and be farther back. And the whole saddle was farther back on the back. Wow. And I'd have to you know, undo the girth, replace the saddle, tighten it up again, 
And I basically would have to re-saddle him in the time I went from the tacking up area to the riding area. Yeah, I've had that happen. And again, that's a direct result of how the horse is using the spine and the back. So it's not really necessarily the saddle fit or you don't have the right girth or the right pad. The forces that are generated by the use of the horse's back muscles and functions of the spine are a tremendous amount of force. And right. that's that's going to cause the saddle to move. Especially that's so it, fascinating to me. And so what was it you said that sort of took us down this track today? <laughs> this whole back saddle fitting thing started okay. because you've been reading up on um, me and saddle my information. Thing. Yeah, this was at saddlefitting.us and it said by definition <clears throat> the saddle is a symmetric object. <clears throat> what was it? To sit on a healthy, well-muscled top line. And I thought, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, the thing I love hearing from a saddle fitting website is the saddle should always be inherently symmetrical. I like that. So what do you mean by symmetrical? Symmetrical, like the flocking should be even on both sides. Always. The panels... So everything should be symmetrical. The middle of the saddle that spans the horse's bony part of the spine is the gullet. And there should be an equal amount of saddle on the left and right sides of that gullet. So whether we're talking, right. So whether we're talking how it's cut or how it's padded or how it's shaped, the saddle itself should always be symmetrical. And I go, the best Uh saddle we have is coming out of the saddle maker or the saddle factory where all that engineering is, you know, things are measured. Things are made symmetrically in the factory, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And we're basically taking that symmetrical, even equal saddle and putting it on our horse's back. Now we have the challenge because depending on how the horse is using the back, that very symmetrical and well-fitted saddle can still shift, can still move because of the force coming from the horse's back, as well as the forces that we put downward into the saddle as a rider. So correct me if I'm wrong. So... there's a direct relationship between the saddle being put somewhere and that the horse is putting it somewhere or the rider or whatever. Right. Because the saddle then, okay. Yeah. The saddle should be neutral. Well, the saddle is neutral. It does not have a mind of its own. It (laughs) doesn't, it's not like I'm going to sit over on the left today. Yeah. It doesn't have a motor. It doesn't right. have a mind of its own. Right. So it cracks me up a little bit when people go, my saddle always goes to the left or my saddle goes too far back. Like the saddle is doing mm-hmm. that independently 
of any yeah, other with, factor upon its own thinking. <laughs> right. And so, and that's why we go, I need more sticky, grippy stuff. So the saddle doesn't oh, move because the saddle is moving. And I go, the saddle isn't doing anything. The saddle is succumbing to the forces that are generated by the horse's back use and by the rider's back use okay. and balance. So the saddle is going wherever the horse and rider put the saddle, especially, it. yeah, especially if you have your sort of factory specs, well-made saddle that fits your horse reasonably well. So the second part of what you said, so the symmetrical part is really important to me. And I've gotten into arguments with saddle fitters about flocking saddles asymmetrically to help the rider. And I won't, I, I can't. <sighs> yeah, I hear that. this all the time. Oh, I had it refloxed to fit my horse. And then you look at it and it's totally lopsided. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, if you flip any saddle upside down and you look at the panels, they should be absolutely symmetrical left to right. That's what the horse's back is feeling. So if one panel is overflocked, which you can't do on a Western saddle, Western right. saddles, they have to use different pads or shims for the same purpose, which I also right. don't, don't do. But in an English saddle, the saddle fitter can add extra flocking to the left side or the right side, which right. it has the effect of helping the rider stay more symmetrical, but it's creating a constant force against the horse's back that disallows any correction. And it means the back is now locked into this asymmetrical, asymmetrical pattern of use. Right. Right. <clears throat> so on an evenly flocked saddle, if it keeps going to the left, that tells you you have a left handed horse, which traces back to too much spinal rotation with the dorsal tips left, too much left lateral bending through the spine. So the horse is not straight internally, even if they look straight. And what that's going right. to do is it's going to cause the back muscles on the left side of the spine to atrophy, pulling mm -hmm. the saddle downward. And it's going to cause the back muscles on the right side of the spine to overwork and try to maintain stability. So that's going to be either the flocking that flattens out first, right? <clears throat> so if we flock the left side to bring it up to the height of the right side, you're still creating pressure for the same problem in the horse's back. So we're locking the horse into that habit of rotation and, and lateral bend internally. So even if they look straight, they're not straight. <clears throat> just like a, with people. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> They might look straight, but when I put hands on, it's like, oh my goodness, we are so crooked on the inside. And how do you know that? When you put um, hands on, what do you feel? It tells I you I feel that. the ace, asymmetry, asymmetrical, the imbalance. In of, the muscle use, especially. In the muscle use, yeah, especially in movement. You know, it. I don't know if we feel it as much um, in standing, 
if it's a severe dysfunction, I can feel it in standing. But once somebody goes into movement, I can just keep my hand on their back and feel the load. The loading isn't correct. Right, which is exactly what the what the factory. <clears throat> sorry, the the symmetrical saddle, like they said on the website, when it moves, that's showing us how the muscles are working. Just like your hands feel, and your hands are very trained. So when you put hands on people, sometimes what feels obvious to you might be incredibly subtle to somebody who's not trained to feel it. Right. But with a horse and a saddle, it's not subtle. It's not, you can, <laughs> it's not subtle. Like you can see it. News. It's like, yep. Yeah, yeah. You can see it. But I think people don't know what to do with that information. Exactly. Yeah, they're that lost. Is, well, that's the part of training that I specialize in. Right. That isn't well known throughout the horse industry is how do we change that twist of the spine? How do right. we gain internal proper alignment of the spine? Because that's what creates the, not only a more stable alignment from the head to the tails, front to back, but a level back a level back left to right where the muscles are developing symmetrically, which stabilizes right. the saddle, right? It's the muscle use that's pulling the saddle left or right. And at least it's obvious. So right. the human answer so far, what's most prevalent in our industry is like I said, get a grippier girth, get a stickier saddle pad, flock the saddle asymmetrically or add shims to one side to balance out the saddle so it quits slipping, tighten the girth like until your horse can't breathe. Or <laughs> some people will even have the rider like lengthen, say in, in the case we were talking about, lengthen mm -hmm. one stirrup or shorten stirrup, the other. Stirrup thing. The mm -hmm. stirrup thing. I've heard I've heard that and I've heard things like, Well, I just had the saddle reflocked to fit my horse and we're still having problems. Oh yeah, because the custom fit is the worst. Whatever your horse's current state is in in coordination of the spine and back muscle development, a custom fitted saddle or a saddle that's reflocked to your horse's dysfunctional back is going to just lock them in that posture. There's no changing it after that. Or I so, imagine make it worse. It could make it worse. Because you're supporting the habit. Yeah. It's like with a human, you're supporting the limp. You're supporting the movement that causes the, the limp. Right. So yeah. like even their saddles where in the case where the saddle keeps slipping back, away mm -hmm. from the heart girth and moving too far down the back, that's related to the back muscles shortening and tightening in contraction when the back is pushing down. That's what pulls the saddle backwards. And so- oh, so they're going into falling, the back's falling down. Yeah, even the if the saddle we can't, goes back, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Because okay. when the spine pushes downward, when the horse drops the back, it's also going to make the croup or the hindquarter higher because the pelvis okay. is 
disengaging. The hind legs, the the hindquarters are disengaging, putting the hind legs too far back behind the torso. Wow. So the, the croup gets higher, the back gets lower, and the shoulders and neck tend to push upward. And even if we can't see all of that in an obvious way, the saddle that keeps gravitating backwards tells you your horse's habit is to push the spine down and disengage the hindquarters. That's wow. why it's going backwards. But again, the saddle fitter and the saddle maker solution was to flock the saddle to fit <clears throat> a dropped back. So instead of having flat panels on the bottom of your English saddle, oh. some of the panels look like crescents. They, they curve in. No, they don't curve in. They, they, curve, they in. curve down. 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 Okay, now I'm down. getting it from the top. They go like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it curve looks down. like. Okay. Uh, oh, I've seen that. So if you flip your English Good. saddle over and and the panels are sort of banana shaped. Good point. Like, yeah. Like two big bananas stuck on the back of your saddle. Yeah. That's, that's a, good, a good way to put it. Yeah. That's a saddle when you flip it the other way is filling in the hole created by the horse's back. So and it, correct me if I'm wrong, that shallow hollowness on the either side of the weathers where it drops, that is not correct function. No, that's part back. of a dropped back. Okay. Because a lot of people I hear is, oh, all horses look like that. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to be. And I'm questioning going, I don't think so. I don't think so. I got to say, even some respected researchers, I have to read this whole thing about this saddle that became popular at a barn I was working at. But they quoted um, a well-known researcher and the saddle maker basically says in his literature that over time, if the back is working correctly, they the horse, quote unquote, grows a wither or the withers become more prominent. Wow. And I just don't see. I don't see that in my horses. I see the total opposite happening in my horses. Even if we look at it theoretically. Right. As, as muscle develops, they're going to get plumper as you increase circulation, which is going to make the horse appear and measure wider, not narrower. Right. right. And when I've had horses with very prominent withers, it's because the back muscles are so tight and so mm. atrophied that the bony part of the spine becomes more and more prominent. And in restoring a healthy use of the back muscles and lifting the spine, lifting the back, the back, in my experience, has always become wider, rounder, and the withers are less prominent, not more prominent. I completely agree with you with that. Just, and, you know, I have aged horses. It, um, 24 and 22 and they they still have a great quote unquote symmetrical top line so even I don't even know absolutely if age is a factor you know with that if they're kept in the right training 
Well, they also always, I always learned growing up that the space between the last rib and the point of the hip, the tubercoxae of the pelvis, that that's, that gap between the rib cage and the hindquarter always increases with age. Wow. And I go, hmm? nope. Increases because the psoas it weakens the core muscles are weak, so even yeah, so even my thirty year old as she's aged, that space has not increased as long as I keep her fit, and my ho- horses that I'm rehabbing, even if they start with a big indent between the last rib and the beginning yeah, of the yeah, hindquarter. Yeah. When it's really indented there and you can fit the whole palm of your hand in that space mm-hmm. between the I bones. I can visualize that now. Yeah. yeah. That's a very weak core. That psoas muscle is, and I always get the psoas backwards because it's a deep internal muscle. So when it's not working correctly, it's over tightening. Is that correct? You well, I, I can always apply it. I can all. I can only apply it to human use. So, in a person that is not using their psoas as an an a muscle, like we muscles are supposed to contract and let go and contract and let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, what we're seeing in people with so much sitting is they're starting to use the psoas as a postural muscle. It is not a postural muscle. It is not meant to statically hold. So a person that is using the psoas to statically hold is going to have that low back, a sway back, whatever you want to call it. It's going to have that sway back. And we don't want to go into the biomechanics of a psoas muscle, but that's one that it is weak because it's the whole system, but the actual psoas is not allowed to contract and let go because the support of the core and the rest of the internal muscles aren't working either. And that's exactly the same with a horse. So even if our horse doesn't look like it has a dropped back, as that space is increasing between the last mm-hmm. rib and the hindquarter, that tells us the psoas is losing strength and hindquarters are more disengaged than they are mm. engaged. That the back is pushing down more frequently than it's lifting up. And that's yeah. where that banana paneled English saddle is meant to stabilize a, stabilize the rider while riding a horse in that posture. And so again, the saddle industry, because people pay the money for saddles, not horses. So a lot of the fixes. <laughs> That's right? a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, and people buy equipment, not horses. Oh, right. That's true. So it must be the saddle. Some selling somebody a new saddle or reconfiguring the saddle or getting better stirrups or a better pad or a better girth, those are really reinforced in the horse business because mm-hmm. number one, it sounds like an easy fix. Number two, nobody's really considering, I want to say it again, this whole back saddle fitting thing and the relationship between the use of the horse's back and how stable or unstable the saddle is. Right. 
And so go back to what you read from that website. There were two parts I sort of wanted to Oh, talk about. The first part oh, was the symmetrical saddle. right. And then um, it was in the same read, but it, it was from the Dark Horse Farm. And the quote is, a lack of this basic building block, which was uh, correct muscling and posture of the horse, can lead to the never ending saddle search. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Yes. so And it's still herein. going back to we got to fix the horse and rider the saddles just a, you know plopped on a part of the equation it's not doesn't have a voice it has a voice No, but and I'm not big on recommending any particular saddle. I go, whatever saddle, if somebody's had a saddle fitter out, And we know for sure the saddle isn't causing pain or locking the horse into a dysfunctional use, then any saddle we can afford will do. Any saddle, you know, we can work with any saddle as long as it's not causing pain or locking a horse into a dysfunctional habit. Anything else is fine. I think those are two big ones. Yeah, those are the only caveats. Mm hmm And so if you know the saddle isn't causing pain, but it's not stable, that's when people go saddle shopping endlessly because the saddle just isn't stable, it's not comfortable, and nobody is saying that's the horse's back doing that. That's the movement in the back that it's why it's not quote unquote stable. And this is the problem we run into in the horse industry all the time. Riders are trained to ride a theoretically straight horse that's well engaged lifting the back. So, What? so the way we're trained to ride with normal traditional riding instruction assumes the horse is straight, symmetrical, and is well muscled and can lift the back and gauge the hindquarters. But most of us are riding horses that don't do that. Exactly. Most of us are getting on crooked horses that are dropping the back pretty frequently or losing the hindquarter engagement pretty frequently. And so how do we adjust our riding to cope with that? And what you just said from the Saddle Fitting website, the first quote that you want a symmetrical saddle, Uh, yeah. a, a, a symmetrical saddle placed on a healthy, well-muscled Well muscled top line. top line. Well, That's the quote. do we just not ride until we get that and we're stuck doing groundwork forever? <laughs> Or how do we get that if we're not starting with that? And let's say 90% of people's experience is they get a saddle that's symmetrical. It's brand new. It just came. It was well-made. And now you're putting it on a back that's either not well-muscled, not symmetrical. The horse is in a poor pos
say, a person who tends to ride heavy on the left with a horse that tends to keep too much weight to the left with a little twist of the spine or a bend to the left, that saddle's going to go constantly off to the left side. Right. Right. That's going to become a big problem. Sometimes we get a left-handed horse doing all that same thing, but the person has a tendency to be strong or keep more weight to the right side unconsciously, just as a habit. Right. It's a total subconscious habit. Right. And that can kind of stabilize things, but the rider overworks on the right and the horse has too much weight and concussion to the left. So that sort of shows up more in a performance issue. My horse doesn't mm. go to the right or my horse I falls in a, all the I time. I can't get the right lead. Or I can't get the left lead. Yeah, it's all it's always one or the other. And that's when you know the balance isn't it's just not, not correct. Right. So sometimes if we have a left handed horse with a right handed rider, we don't think we have a saddle issue at all. But we have more of a performance issue in that the horse is one sided. So going left or cantering left is easier than going right or cantering right or vice versa. Like each direction is not equal and easy for the horse. Right. Right. And so we tend to work harder, right? <laughs> Rather than going, I have a problem related all the way back to the root cause, which is either the rider has a twist and a bend habitually mm -hmm. through the spine, even if they look straight, or the horse has a little twist or a bend through the spine even though the horse looks straight. Agreed. Right? So whether we have a one-sided horse or a saddle slipping to one side, it's typically the same root cause. Mm -hmm. Right? Related to the spinal functions, which is then going to determine how the muscles are used. Yes. So asymmetrical muscle development through our horse's back and hindquarters tells us we have a lateral bend or twist rotation as a habit in the movement, as a pattern of coordination through our horse's nervous system. That's what we need to change. A pattern. That's a good way to put it through the central nervous system that needs to change. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, because the Everybody thinks it's the cardiovascular work that our horse has to trot, canter, sweat, breathe hard in order to build muscle. <laughs> and I go- think that about us too? <laughs> we think that about us too. No pain, no gain. <laughs> but what really develops muscle and what develops the right tone, like you said- a healthy muscle used for movement has to contract and has to shorten and lengthen. Has yes, to, the, all of that has to be available. And it has to be equally easy to shorten or lengthen. That's what suppleness is in the muscle, the ability to shorten or lengthen and contract or rest. Yes. Right? So that muscle use and every single way that every single muscle is used in the body is dictated by the coordination of the skeleton. 
doesn't matter if it's a walk that's so slow you're in a cloud of turtle dust or galloping on the track and winning the race. The Right. speed of movement has nothing to do, very little to do, I should I say, like to hear that. with muscle development. It's the coordination of the bones during motion. And like we've talked about before, the coordination of the appendicular skeleton, the arms, legs, and even the use of the horse's head and neck is going to be dictated by the use of the axial skeleton. So even the skeleton has two parts. This is So true. in trying to resolve what might look like saddle issues or training issues, we have to trace it back to understanding that there are five different functions of the spine, which is the main part of the axial skeleton, and that each one isn't a substantial amount of movement, but it's a critical movement that's going to dictate the coordination of the entire skeleton in motion. Yes. Right? So if we have a peg-legged moving horse, those stiff little legs that don't want to bend or reach very far tells us that the axial skeleton or the spine itself is unstable. So the legs are taking over the, the job of stabilizing the body, right? When the legs are bendy and fluid and buoyant, that can only happen when the spine is stabilized within a very limited range of motion. Yes. So, and then how the axial skeleton is used determines how the appendicular skeleton is used and how both are used is actually what creates the muscle use, what dictates yeah. the muscle use, which is then going to turn into muscle development. Right. Right. And then how Big the muscles stuff. are used is then going to affect the saddle. Yep. So we you have can't to go. just look at the legs. And you can't just get a <laughs> sticky girth and hope it's going to keep everything in place. I mean, you can. I just uh, want to ride. Why yeah. is this so complicated? <laughs> and it is it is complicated to understand because bodies are complicated. Movement yes. is complicated. But it's not hard to do. No. Like, it's not hard to do at all because if our saddle keeps slipping to the left horribly all the time and every time we come to halt, we have to sort of sort of throw our weight to the right side and shift the saddle back to center, what that tells us is we need to keep more than 50% of our body weight over the right side of the saddle all the time. Then the horse can change. But if our I think weight... that's real important that to be able to know when the change is happening, though. Because it's not just hang out over there all the time. You've got to check in to see, am I getting somewhere? Is this working? Well, our balance is also about keeping our skeleton as symmetrical as the saddle. So one of the things I learned to do working on myself was while I'm riding, if I look down at my mm -hmm. own thigh bones, 
my thigh bones should be symmetrical to each other at all times. If I don't realize that I'm getting pulled with the saddle and with my horse's back, then when I look down, I'm going to see one thigh bone is higher or farther forward Mm -hmm. or closer to the front of the saddle compared to the other one at any given moment. Right. Right. So without even our conscious awareness, when our skeleton is being shifted left or right, one leg starts gripping. So that's what I was going to say. I think people know it's, I think if you have not had some training in your own balance and communication and coordination, it's very hard to hear that about yourself when you're riding. Yeah, because our brain normalizes it. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. And un- unless you've had Alexander training or, you know, something where you have integrated a little bit more information about where am I in time and space and what is neutral, you're totally unaware other than you're fatigued or like you, you wake up the next day and, oh, my God, the inside of my right thigh is screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And we don't attribute that to imbalance. You know, we don't look at that and say, well, why is that? Right. Why am I there? That shouldn't be. No. And a takeaway for everybody listening to this podcast is the next time you sit on your horse, especially if your saddle has not been custom fitted, God forbid, and has its factory specs, (laughs) then when you sit on your saddle, No matter Western English, doesn't matter. Long stirrups, short stirrups, doesn't matter. You're going to look down at your own thigh bones over the ground, Mm -hmm. not over the horse. And I think that's that's another whole. Yeah. Over gravity, not the horse. And if you're crooked, one leg is going to look one thigh bone is going to be lower or farther back or look longer and the other one is going to be higher up, um, closer to you, farther forward. And if you compare the feel of each leg, the longer lower thigh bone will feel, that leg will muscularly feel more relaxed, like it's hanging. Mm-hmm. And the leg with the shorter, more forward thigh bone is going to feel slightly tighter, if we notice it at all, because we might be used to it. But it's going to be working harder compared to the left leg. So all we have to do to start the process of helping our horse correct the imbalance is arrange our center in the saddle to make our thigh bones symmetrical. Right. Now that's going to start a helmet fire. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because it usually does. Yeah. In order to make our thigh bones symmetrical to each other on a crooked horse with a neutral horse is important on a crooked horse with a neutral saddle, symmetrical saddle. That means instead of our seat bones being centered over the gullet of the saddle, we might be straddling the right bar of the saddle or the left bar of the saddle. We might be out of center left to right in order to make our thigh bones symmetrical to each other, 
we might feel like we have greater than 50% of our internal body weight on the right side or the left side mm -hmm. to, in order to make our thigh bones symmetrical to each other. And what starts the helmet fire is our brain has normalized our pattern of crookedness on the horse mm -hmm. we ride the most. So right. people say to me all the time, this can't be right. I feel like I'm going to fall off this side or that side. I'm not in the middle of the saddle. I'm not equal in my stirrups. How can this be? And it, you look down, check your own thigh bones. That's the truth about where our body is over gravity. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is a crooked saddle or a crooked horse. The right. saddle being pulled by the crooked horse. And so what we can do is use our weight and our mass. When our thigh bones look symmetrical, our body weight might not feel symmetrical. And that's right. what throws everybody into a tizzy because it doesn't yes. feel balanced. But I go, right. that's how you have to ride a crooked horse. Or yeah, a horse I, I get that all the time in, in Alexander lessons, even off the horse, is when I help the person find neutral because most people lean too far back or too far forward right so when i say here's neutral that you know they're all their communication from their brain to their body is the helmet fire yeah it's like wait a minute wait a minute wait yeah <laughs> no and i know you do like i do i started carrying my phone a lot more often in lessons so that that's yes. the moment I'm going to take a picture. I The pictures help a lot. Yeah. So yeah. if you can get pictures, if you can have people take pictures of you on your horse and on the ground, you, you, may, you might learn a lot from that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and we're just talking left to right, but that yeah. seems that seems to really fry people's brains even more mm -hmm. than the front to back. Yeah. But that's basically what we're doing. And so it's a great self-check just to look down at our own thigh bones. And I, when I first started doing this, it was like a couple of rides. Every few strides, I had it to changes. readjust yep. my body because I just hadn't been aware before. So like every two minutes, I'm looking down at my thigh bones and then I have to adjust again. And then I look down two minutes later and, oh, crap, I'm back, you know, crooked I'm again. Back there. <laughs> I'm back yeah, there again. I say to myself is, are all my joints open and available? Because if they're not, I'm tensing somewhere to stay on. Right. So then I rethink, okay, why am I tensing? Where am I tensing? Where am I tensing? And what do I need to change? Yeah, because the use of the horse's back that is pulling the saddle left, right, or backwards is also pulling our body the same direction. Exactly. It, that force is going through the saddle right into our bodies as riders. So like when we talk about, even if we can't see it, when the horse is dropping the back, disengaging the hindquarters, and the saddle is gravitating farther and farther back, most riders who are coping with that problem with their horse are also going to find most of their body weight is in their seat. Yep. That they tend to either stiffen the shoulders as a kind of counterbalance and their body weight is too high, 
or if they've lowered their body weight and, and center of mass, then the weight tends to be a lot more in the seat compared to the legs. Right. Right. And on horses like that, when we finally sort of get our body weight equalized between our seat and our thigh bones, and we're equal left to right, symmetrical, we can, I've been on horses whose back was so dropped, I felt like I was riding in two point, like I was really leaning oh, forward. I, I get the tipped pelvis, the rotation of the pelvis happens a lot mm -hmm. too. When the, I keep, it feels like I'm being pulled down into a bowl. You are constantly it's That's... like this constant pressure of oh my gosh how do I stay out of the well <laughs> exactly exactly no and that is the direction of force that's being generated by the horse's use of the spine and the back muscles so it's not only pulling the saddle back and down it's pulling our bodies back and down so again yeah. if we go with it then our weight and mass just sort of makes the problem worse if we counteract it with our weight and mass, that's the simplest way to talk about correcting the horse's balance. We have to use our body to counteract the problem, yes. right? So all those years we've been told to move with the horse and mm. that it's like, even when you say, are my joints open and available? that can maybe make some people think they need to be very mobile, right? That they need to be loosey-goosey and move mm. with the horse. And I go, mm, it so sort much. of depends. Yeah. Because are we, moving, are yeah. we moving with the horse into a dysfunction, Correct. right? Yeah. Or are we counterbalancing, counteracting that dysfunction, giving our horse the space to correct it, right? Yeah. So when we get our weight out of the way of either the hole or being pulled down on the left, suddenly the horse has the space to fill that up, has, yeah. has the room to make the change because we're not locking the horse into the pattern with our own, with our extra weight and mass right. on top of the saddle going there. And then usually comes a level of tension. Oh yeah, we're going to struggle. And and it goes back, I think I mentioned it podcasts ago that once we tense a muscle, it shuts down all the proprioceptors to get information from the brain to that muscle. So we become unaware of the tightening and stiffening. Absolutely, it just becomes normalized. Yeah, it's an and that's the, the point of my work is to, can, uh, can you make everything accessible and be adaptable? Kind of like what we want the horses to be, you know, adaptable and accessible. But do you have to have um, correct spinal function for that to happen? Well, and the only way I've ever found to help very tight riders or very tight horses, including myself as a very tight rider at one time, was arranging my skeleton and body weight to remain stable and resist these forces of say being pulled back and down or pulled to the left. If I think in terms of arranging my skeleton and my body weight first, 
it really helps me not overuse the muscles. I still Good point. might work hard muscularly, but Right. if I, if I have the bulk of my body and body weight in the right place, I'm going to work a lot less muscularly, which leaves the sensory perception open Yes. to feel the changes, the changes in my horse's use or the movement of the saddle or where the saddle wants to go. And then I can resist that. But if I'm trying to hold a perfect position, Heels down, right, thumbs up. or remain vertical even, it's like if I'm feeling my way through a horse that's out of balance, I might feel like I'm too far forward or too far to the right. But I look down at my thigh bones and I'm symmetrical left to right. Or I feel my internal body weight top to bottom and it's in my lower half and it's sort of equal between my seat and legs. Then I know I'm in a vertical place, even though I feel like I'm leaning too far forward. Right, Right? right. And if I look at pictures or video of myself, I go, wow, that isn't at all what it felt like. Felt like, yeah, Because on exactly. every, every different horse and every different saddle, we're having to adapt or I'm having to adapt exactly the use of my skeleton and my body weight and keep adjusting that body weight during motion. So it it's a dynamic. I think that's where that idea of move with the horse might have come from is that I'm constantly adapting during motion, but I'm not really moving with the horse, I'm actually moving against the forces that want to make me unstable or unbalanced. Mm -hmm. To make un, un disrupt neutral. That's what I say it is. It's I'm trying to maintain neutral and keep my center of mass, which is like right below my belly button, over my feet and left to right. Front, So back, it's left, right. yeah, it's not a place that I think that's important to say. It's not, oh, I found it and I'll just stay here. <laughs> Right. Or that I'll hold the perfect. Hold it. I'll hold it and it'll be okay. Yeah. It's not that either. Um, No, it's this because. dynamic relationship of availability and tone to stay Yeah. neutral. And I'll say a lot of times it feels like getting your sea legs on a boat. Oh, I totally agree. Yes. That's what good riding mostly feels like. So if you went with the wave Bye-bye, overboard you go, <laughs> out in the ocean. <laughs> right? So we counteract the force of the waves when we get our sea legs in order to maintain exactly what you said. Our center of mass has to be over the center of our feet. It doesn't matter if we straighten our joints, bend our joints, feel like we're leaning forward, feel Mm -hmm. like Exactly. we're leaning back, shifting more body weight right or left. We're constantly having to adjust our internal body weight and our skeletal use in order to just remain upright on a boat Yep. in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing in the saddle. Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, like a new rider will do the same thing as someone first time on the ocean on a boat, like try to grab the rail, <laughs> the reins, right? <laughs> Stiffen every muscle, 
which only yep. makes you less stable God or get horses. or get really loosey goosey <laughs> and suddenly you're kind of out of sync with the actual motion so you get pitched around anyways catch, or lose yep, your balance you're catching up <laughs> yeah so it's when people ask me about what does good riding feel like i go not so different than getting your sea legs it's very yep. similar and how we find that that static stability over a moving force, which is the back and the saddle, means constant adaptation and adjustment internally. We feel it, but nobody can see us do it. Exactly. It's a lot of internal movements going on to maintain neutral. Yeah. You're yeah. moving in order to not move. Exactly. Crazy. I love that. What's that craziness? <laughs> What's that geeky thing? Yeah. <laughs> and so if we take our factory made saddle and put it on a horse that's not moving well, then not only are we stabilizing our body, but we're stabilizing the saddle to where it's meant to be. Right? Again, by how we ride that's what keeps the saddle in place, right? You don't have to constantly make the girth so tight that your horse can't breathe and you don't need an endless stream of sticky pads or different saddles or shims or blah, blah, blah. Although everybody wants to sell those to you, so. Oh boy. <clears throat> so take what you have and play with your body weight, your skeletal alignment, look down at your thighs, feel where your body weight is depending on how your horse is moving, and you'll start to find that your saddle is not as bad as you think. Have fun with that. I know. We do it's that all good, the time, don't good we? Good <laughs> takeaway on this podcast. <laughs> so I love the title of this podcast, this whole back saddle fitting thing. <laughs> 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 yes yeah so All just right. quit buying stuff for a month and we're quit buying stuff <laughs> your significant other will be so happy <laughs> well your horse will be a lot happier too because that's true just being able to not fall off doesn't mean that your horse isn't struggling more and more and more just because you got stable and you got the saddle to not slip doesn't mean your horse feels any better at all just yet. Truth. That's the so, truth. So, yeah, like you said, your husband will thank you. Your horse will thank you. And you'll be able to quit saddle shopping for a while and quit yep. equipment shopping for a while. So Merry Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys, thanks for joining us. Any final words, Deb? Nope. I think that was a fun one. That was a fun one. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Horse Geeks podcast. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone.